And the praise for our choir, our worship and arts ministry. Thank you. We have already won. Amen. The enemy doesn't want you to know it, but it's too late now because the word is already out. You are more than conquerors. We have won again. As we begin a new series of messages in this year of supernatural favor, this series is a very short series, very short in its, in its wordings. Only two words, no worries. We are declaring for the entire month of May, and in fact, to get on the devil's nerve for the rest of the year, no worries can somebody say no worries amen all of your worries enemies should have destroyed you last night tell somebody it's too late now I'm turning the page amen and God's got a word for you throughout this month of May Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 is where our text is found. This verse is very significant to me, mother, because it was the text of the first message that I ever preached in August, a long time ago, 1979. Young man in the memorial chapel. Amen. God gave me this text, and this word has been in my life ever since. We're reading from the New American Standard Bible. That's the text I used 29 years ago I mean, in 1979. More than 29 years ago. Long time ago. Um, and God said the word is still relevant. How many of you are looking for a word from the Lord? Amen. I love singing. I love hand clapping, foot stomping. But at the end of the day, I come to church to get a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hear the reading of God's word. Listen to this powerful text. Chapter 8, verse 28, the New American Standard Bible. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called uh, according to his purpose. Can I read that again? It's just one verse. And we know hmm, that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called uh, according to his purpose. Before you sit down, catch someone by the hand, as it is our custom to do, and share the subject for today's message. Remember, all month long, this series is entitled, No Worries. This is the first message of this series. Squeeze those hands and encourage someone who's standing next to you and tell them he's working it out. Amen. He's working it out. Mm. Maybe seated. And he is working it out. No worries. Hashtag no worries. This very familiar phrase, slogan, these very familiar words actually originated in Australia and it is it is deemed as an Australian English expression no worries that simply means don't worry or it's okay amen if we were in Jamaica our Jamaican brothers say no problem man amen same thing don't worry it's okay. The wonderful Swahili term that originated in Kenya, Africa, 
that was made even more famous in that movie, The Lion King. Powerful movie. Play, Broadway play. The Lion King. Hakuna Matata. See, some of y'all saw that. Amen. I remember 1996, my son reminded me at the church, I took my two sons to see The Lion King. Every child ought to see the movie The Lion King. My wife and I saw it on Broadway. It was the most moving thing that I had ever seen. Uh, you remember when Simba, the lion, the young lion, was in the wilderness. Puma, the war hog, and the little weasel said, Simba wanted to know, how am I going to make it? They said, Hakuna Matata. They even made up a song, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Tell somebody, no worries. It's already worked out. See, when you live your life as if God has already worked it out, you can rejoice in advance. Amen, somebody. Now, the brothers in the hood put it this way, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. You're all right, whatever. They're coming to get you, whatever. <laughs> it simply means I ain't worried about this. Excuse the grammar. That I am not overly concerned about this. Listen, it has been said that excessive worrying often leads to physical, emotional, as well as spiritual problems. And in this month of May, that has been deemed as Mental Health Awareness Month. Very important that we understand uh, this very important subject. Uh, that we as human beings need to understand that excessive worrying uh, can do nothing but ruin your life. I'm preaching. I, I want you all to hear this message. And I want to be here every Sunday and Tuesday so that you can get this. There's a wonderful quote by an unnamed author. And I shared it with the congregation this morning at 8. And I want to share it with you. And it says this, quote, Worrying, or too much worrying, it says, does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It just empties today of its strength. Too much worrying, excessive worrying, does not solve tomorrow's problems. It ruins your today. I want to keep it real this month. If you want to ruin your future, if you want a sad and a depressed life, you start worrying about things that are outside of your control. You, you are, and sometimes I strongly believe that the enemy uses that emotion to depress us, to suppress our joy, try to kidnap our peace. Why? Because the enemy knows that it's hard to give God the glory when you obsess about things you think are going to happen to you. Amen. We, we've come today to declare that God is in charge. There is a wonderful article that was published on April the 16th, 2013 uh, in the magazine called Psychology Today. And in that article, the noted author and doctor and scholar by the name of Dr. Jim Taylor uh, states this, and he says this, that is so powerful, and I quote, he says, although worry is a natural part of the human experience, in other words, we all have encountered that. That is part of being human. He says, but at the same time, worry that is too intense, that is too frequent, can definitely negatively impact the quality of one's life. 
Amen. If you, if you want to impact negatively the quality of your life, you live your life in a stage of worry and fear, walking around waiting on the next shoe to drop, waiting on something bad to happen to you. Of the entire story in the book of Job, scholars will tell you that the one fault of Job, the one thing of Job, and I remember sitting in a class at CIU in the late Dr. Hatch, uh, Buck Hatch, they called them progress of redemption. He, he, he said this, the one weakness of Job, the enemy found. You remember that one verse in Job when Job said, that which I feared the most has happened to me. Uh, I, I remember hearing Dr. Hatch says, if the enemy knows you fear something, he will bring it up every chance he gets. If the enemy knows that that's a weakness of yours, he will always have it. And he will always saddle you with that you fear the most. Whew. But throughout this series, we will examine how we as people of faith can avoid as well as overcome this sometimes demonic spirit of excessive worrying and fear and how we can negate all of its harmful consequences. In other words, God has given us the answer to everything we are going through. But Job got it right. Although Job feared, Job in the midst of what he went through says, you know what, I've decided the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is there anybody in here that know how to give God praises through your worst times? I just want to make sure I'm in the right place uh, because it will come. Tell somebody it will come. The challenge is how will you respond to it? Listen, Pastor Rick Warren of the Saddleback Church, one of uh, my favorite authors, someone I admire from afar. I never met him, but I admire him perhaps greater than any religious leader of our time. I admire his humility. I admire how he has stayed focused on what God has called him to do. And perhaps what I admire most is how relevant he is to what people are going through. Pastor Rick Warren and his lovely wife lost their oldest son to suicide. It was painful, according to a CNN interview. Very painful. This young man who loved the Lord suffered from a traumatic mental illness that was not diagnosed or perhaps treated as early as they wished they would have. And although he had been on the mission field and won many folk to Christ, you, you heard the story. I want to take my time. May I preach this this morning? You heard me on one Tuesday night talked about how Mrs. Warren said at her son's funeral, young people came and said, he won me to Christ. I'm saved today because your son. And God gave him a word, say, even broken limbs can bear fruit. Whew, I, that blessed me like nothing else. And so Pastor Rick Warren, someone asked him, says, Pastor, how do you deal with this? How come you haven't lost your mind? How do you deal with the fact that your son, parents are not supposed to bury their children? How do you deal with the fact that you had to bury your son and just few days later, here you are preaching to thousands. Pastor Warren writes this, and I quote, he says, you know, the more I pray, the less I become panic. <laughs> then he said to them, and the more you pray, the less you panic. But this is the part I like. He says, and the more I worship the less I worry. Oh, good God Almighty. 
By the way, did you hear that? The more, here's a man who's just buried his son. And he says, I figured it out that I've got to worship my way through this. Because the more I worship, the less I worry. And the enemy knows that I can't worry and worship at the same time. So I choose to worship. I just want to take a worship break. Come on, somebody help me just take a worship break. And all the worshipers, stand to your feet. And just for the next 10 seconds, 15 seconds, just begin to open your mouths from the depths of your belly. Wave your hands and worship God. Because the more you... Come on. The more you worship, the less you worry. If you don't want the enemy to make you worry, you start worshiping the Lord your God. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall always be in my mouth. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, he is worthy to be prayed. Where are my worshipers? Where are my worshipers? I need somebody just where you are to start walking around and wave your hands in the, word, in the air and begin to worship the Lord. Your God. Whew. Thank you, Pastor Warren. Oh, sit down. Thank you. Ooh, that blessed me, Mother. That blessed me. God told me, Dara, you're going to do one of two things, but you cannot do them at the same time. If you worry, don't worship. If you worship, don't worry. So I decided... That every time the enemy wants me to worry, I start worshiping. And I don't need to be in church to worship. I don't need an organ or a praise team to worship. But when I think, of the goodness of Jesus and of all he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah thank you Lord for saving me where are my worshipers you don't need a fancy worship you don't need to be able to dance or to skip you can worship from the depths of your heart you can sit at your desk on your job and worship God you can drive down the interstate and worship God. Come on, somebody. You can sit in a classroom and worship God. You can sit in a doctor's office and worship God. You can be at the dialysis machine and worship. Where are my worshipers? I need somebody to declare no worries. No worries. Whew. I'm a worshiper. I am a worshiper. Listen, perhaps the most important reason, may I preach this? I want to take my time this month. Perhaps the most important reason why we as people of faith should never allow excessive worrying to ruin our lives is simply because of this. Because of this. We got it on the board. Just follow me. No matter what we are going through, I need you to help me with this. Catch somebody by the hand and say, no matter what we may be going through or how difficult things may appear to be. The Lord, our God, is working it out. 
Oh, can I say that again? No matter what we may be going through or how difficult things may appear to be, this is why we're not going to worry. Why? Because the Lord, our God, is working it out. <laughs> Devil doesn't want you to know this, but God is already working it out. Listen, as we transition to the text, let us examine this text and examine why it encourages those who qualify not to worry. Why it encourages those who, who, who will obey what the text says not to worry. Let me give you some background. Put this text in context. The Apostle Paul writes this powerful epistle to the church in Rome. Around A.D. 60, it was a very trying time for the Christian community. Nero was in power. They were slaughtering Christians by the drove. They would take believers to arenas and folk for entertainment would watch wild lions and animals devour the bodies of believers sewn up in animal skin. And they would clap their hands and celebrate. It was a spectator sport to them. So Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, writes this epistle to the believers. He wanted them to know, I know the gospel is under attack. And I know it is not fashionable for you to state publicly that you are a believer. Paul says, but I write this without any reservations. And in chapter 1 of the book of Romans in verse 16, he writes these most profound words, for I am not ashamed. Pastor Daisy McGee says of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to every believer and to those who even do not believe. In other words, I know what the gospel is, but I'm not ashamed of it. Is there anybody in trying times could stand up and say, for God I live, for God I die. God is sick and tired of closet saints, of folks that praise God on Sunday morning, but ashamed to declare him Monday morning, 9 o'clock on your job. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Take my life if you want to. Peter had been crucified upside down. Ooh, Church historians tell us uh, in the history books of the church. This is not recorded in the Bible, but in the church history chronicles. says when Peter was asked the question, would you like to die like Jesus? Peter says, I have but one request. Because I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. Folk who stood for the gospel. Folk who were not ashamed of the gospel. So Paul writes this book of Romans. This book that has been called by scholars as, quote, the cathedral of the Christian faith. In other words, there is perhaps no other theological epistle that is as powerful as the book of Romans. Paul in the 8th chapter, begins uh, the 8th chapter with these most powerful words. He says, now therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, I want you to know that if you love the Lord and if you walk with Jesus, you ought not be condemned. 
Don't let folk try to condemn you, uh, try to persecute you. There is no condemnation. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for writing this word. Then he drops down in verse 18 of chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Paul writes these words, for I consider, I know what we're going through, but I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, we may be going through something now, but when God gets finished with us, God's got some glory. Look at somebody say, there will be glory after this. Anybody know that after you come through hell and high water, after your haters have uh, tried to destroy your name, after folk have tried to ruin your reputation, tried to destroy your family, God said there will be glory after this. Somebody ought to help me declare I will praise God for everything that I'm going through. Anybody know that God's got some glory? God's got a praise with your name on it. Oh, I feel a breakthrough praise. Oh, somebody excuse us. Can we take about 10 seconds to put a praise on the fact that there will be glory? Is there anybody in the balcony just for five seconds can leap up to your feet and say there will be glory after I come through this. Is there anybody on the right side of the church? Anybody in the middle of the church? Anybody on the left side of the church? I know you've been standing up all service, but I just need a few witnesses to rub it in the devil's face and say, after I come through this, God will get some glory. Woo! If y'all think I got a testimony now, look at somebody, if you think I'm something now, if your haters don't like you now, you wait until you come through this. You wait until God gets through with you. Woo! Somebody shout, after this, God will get the glory. my permission to holler anytime you feel like it. <laughs> okay, somebody say, if my hollering is getting on your nerve, sit somewhere else next week. Because I'll be even louder than this. Because God is about to bring you through something this week. about to bring somebody through something this week that the enemy told you you'll never come out of. Somebody shout, after this, there will be glory. Romans 8 and 1 is powerful. In fact, Romans 1 and 16 is powerful. Romans 8 and 18 is powerful. But look at verse 28. Whew. 
If you think 8 and 18 was powerful, look at verse 28. Paul writes these words. Woo! The New American Standard Bible puts it like this. And we know that God causes all things to work. Y'all, I can, I can barely stand this. I, I, let me try to. God is speaking to somebody right now. To work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I want to highlight a few key points in this one verse. God told me to take my time and preach this. A few key points in this one verse. Key point number one. Paul begins this verse with this powerful declaration. And we know. He does not say, I am wishing, I'm hoping, I, I'm assuming. He says, and we know. He was simply declaring something that he already knew and believed. Ooh. If you know the Lord is keeping you, what are you worried about? If you know the Lord is keeping you, why don't you sing and shout? Ooh. Ay, 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 ay. Ah, the late Mother Maddie Harris, Deacon Nesbitt's mama. Y'all know I love that uh, woman and I love this song. Mother Harris didn't have but one song, but she had it all to herself. And every now and then on Sunday night, in the little church testimony meeting, we thought testimony service was over. Then Mother Harris would break out, Chip, what you know about Jesus? Somebody in the motherboard would shout, he's all right. This modern church that had never been to Sunday night service don't know nothing about this. But look at somebody and say, what do you know about Jesus? He's all right. He's a healer. He's a heart fixer. He is a mind regulator. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. May I preach this? Mm, the man that had been born blind and Jesus healed his blindness. When the critics and the haters saw his testimony, they said to the man, Mother Betty King, you've got to tell us how this happened because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner and sinners can't heal people we know that he's from Nazareth and nothing good can come from Nazareth well this blind man said to his haters y'all listen here I don't know if he is a sinner or not I can't tell you where he's from but this I know. Is there anybody in here that know what you know? Tell your neighbor, but this I know. Whereas I was blind. <laughs> 
see. Look at somebody and say, you ought to know something that the Lord has done for you. Is there anybody who can say, this I know? Can I preach? Should I preach? May I preach? This I know. Listen, Paul writes, and we know. Thank you, Paul. Paul wanted every critic and every hater to understand this. I have no doubt about the God I serve. I know something. Shake your head at somebody and say, I know something. I know it won't always be like this. I know something. Better days are coming by and by. I know something. Your end will be better than your beginning. Where you're going to is greater than what you're going. Is there anybody that knows something? Help me declare I know something. And if you know it, you ought to holler one time, I know it! Second point. I've got 10 more minutes to get through this before the altar call. Second point. Paul, listen to this. This is perhaps the most important point in the message. Paul does not declare that all things in our lives will be good. I want you to get this because you're going to have some hard times and some difficult moments and some bad times in your life. But he declares that all things are working, and here's the key word, for our good. Look at somebody and say, for our good. It may not be good to you, but it will be good for you. I'm declaring this morning that even your haters are working for your good. Even your sickness work, is working for your good. Even your hardships and heartaches are working for your good. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for my good. I just need to see the hand of just a few folk that God has taken the worst things in your life turn them around and help them bless you like nothing else has blessed you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell somebody it's working for your good. It's working for your good. Here's the third observation. Third key point. It is God and God alone who causes all things to work for our good. Mama can't do it. Daddy can't do it. Pastor can't do it. Only God. The text says, God causes all things to work for your good. When your back is against the wall, you don't know who to call. Call on the name of the Lord. Your God. I just need somebody to know that God can do this. God can do all things. God, 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 God is a powerful God. He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can even ask or think. So point number three, God and God alone will cause things to work for your good. Other folk may help you. But they are used by God. Other folk may assist you, but ultimately they are used by God. So when you get in trouble, you don't try everything, then try Jesus. Tell somebody you try Jesus first. You call on the name of the Lord first. Here's the fourth key thing. 
and we end this message, pick it up again on Tuesday night. Things will work out for our good when we love God. Listen, you can't do everything that you're big enough to do and love everything but God. Come on, only try to love God when you get in trouble. Things will work out for our good when we love God. And then look at this. When we live our lives according to his purpose. Not your purpose. Because we've got folk that are so intent of thinking that they're all of that. You think you did it by yourself. You think, look, I'm smart. I, I can do this. I, can, I don't need nobody. I can... Do it by myself. And let me tell this younger generation, please don't let the enemy fool you to think you don't need anybody. You can do this by yourself. You've got to live your life according to his purpose. I told the church this morning, hear this story. I was talking to somebody once and some young people, and I says, you know what? You've got to trust God, and God will help you pull yourself up. This young man said to me, I pull my own self up by my own bootstraps. Then he said to me, I own the straps, and I bought the boots. And I said, but you didn't buy your feet. You may own the boots, but God owned the feet that the boots go on. Am I right about it? And so we've got to live our lives according to his purpose. And here's the last part of point number four. God's purpose for our lives should always take precedence. Put God first. If you want to be successful, put God. Put God ahead of your career. Put God ahead of your own ambitions. Put God ahead of your anything, nothing should supersede God's purpose for your life. Stand to your feet wherever you are. God wanted me to preach this this way this morning. Tell somebody he's working it out. Look at somebody and say, no worries. God is working it out. And I know there are times in all of our lives in which we struggle. Times in which the enemy would try to make us doubt if God is in charge. But listen to the words of this powerful altar song. And I invite you right now to start leaving your seat and walk down these aisles. Because at this, this altar represents your deposit. You are depositing all your cares. Peter says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. This powerful song, my son turned me on to this a couple weeks ago, and it, it's entitled Trust in You. Anthony Brown and a group that's called Group Therapy recorded this song that has blessed me for the last three weeks. You did not create me to worry. Ooh. You did not create me to fear. But you created me to worship daily. Ooh. May I say that again? You created me to worship daily. And remember where there is worry, there cannot be worship. And where there is worship, there cannot be any worry. So I'm leaving it all right here. That's where the altar represents today. Come on, some, perhaps there's somebody in here who don't always come to the altar. You perhaps haven't been here all year. But this is the month in which we are declaring that we are depositing all of our worries right here at this altar. I'm leaving it right here. My hands are raised because I surrender. Your will is what's best for me. I worship you 
because you are Jehovah Jireh. I bow before the kings of kings. Listen to this verse of the song. No more crying. No more complaining. Y'all help me say this. Look at somebody. Say no more crying. No more complaining. Song says, I believe your word is true. Lord, you promised never to leave me. So this is what I'm going to do. I will. I will. Help me say this. Say, I will. Come on, declare, I will. Trust in you, Lord. I will put my trust in you. Oh, come on, wherever you are. You did not create me to worry. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. You did not create me Ooh. to fear. What a powerful song. But you created me to worship I need you to raise those daily. Hands. Yeah. So I'ma leave it all right here. Help me sing. Say it, say it. But you created me to worship daily. So I'm a leave. My hands are raised. Your will is what's best for me. What's best for me, I Lord. worship you because worship you're Jehovah. You. You're Jehovah child. I bow before the King of Kings. No more crying or complaining. No more crying. No more complaining. I believe your word. I believe. Somebody else. I will. God wants somebody else. Uh, seven more people. Seven more people. You just see them standing in the hallways. And Those hands. I surrender. I surrender. Lord, what's best? I surrender. I worship you because you're Jehovah. Trust him, I trust, Lord, I trust in you, Lord. Create me to fear. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But you created me to worship daily. So I'm 
around somebody's shoulders throughout this month we declare and we decree that we refuse to worry throughout this month we declare no worries it's okay no problem, hakuna matata, no worries, God's got this, <laughs> tell somebody God's got this, I, I will trust in you, in you. I, will. I will, I will trust declare this was because he had a relationship with the Lord. You cannot declare and we know if you don't know. And the only way you would know is that he has to be your God. Some of you have been so faithful in coming to church but the truth is coming to church is not a relationship. A relationship is when you take the next step. Perhaps you had a relationship and it somehow got lost in the shuffle. Perhaps you forgot on your way up the ladder, on your way out in the world that God takes precedence over everything else. So here he is. That's why I love that verse that says, Now therefore there is no condemnation. I'm going to tell you something. We don't judge you. As saints of God, it is not our responsibility to judge you. You come to him just as you are. You know what you're struggling with. You know what you're going through. And I don't mind the abuse from other churches or other preachers who say, Pastor Darrell, you need to preach a little harder. You need to preach more about hell and you need to tell folk that they're going to hell. I said, my job is try to help them go to heaven. And all of us have our issues. But don't you allow the enemy to depress you or to control your peace and your joy with worrying about things that God says I've already taken care of all month next Sunday is Mother's Day we've got a message on the Shumanite woman that declared all is well knowing her son was dead <laughs> you've got to declare and decree what God says is going to happen in your life and so right now as you close those eyes and after this prayer to those of you that want that relationship those of you perhaps that want to join the church you want to just recommit your life to the Lord and you're not ashamed remember Romans 1 I am not ashamed of the gospel the reason we invite you to come to the altar is because think about this when you are out in the world Nobody sneaked into the club's back door. You walked in and you wanted everybody to see you and hear you. Hey, I'm here. When you start your relationship with the Lord, 
you take center stage. Why? Because somebody's going to be blessed when they see what the Lord has done in your life. You're going to be a testimony. And everything you went to, as difficult as what it was, is working for your good. Amen. Close those eyes. After this prayer, if you want to make that commitment, if you want to give God that commitment, if you're looking for a church home, we, we would be honored to have you. But I just want to warn you about something. If you're looking for a perfect church, you need to find another one. Because we are so far from perfect. And as long as we've got one member, we would always be an unperfect, imperfect church. Amen. You've got an imperfect pastor pastoring an imperfect church. But here's the good news. We love the Lord. And God loves you. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We declare throughout this month of May, no worries. We take back our joy, our peace. The demons from hell cannot have our joy, cannot have our peace. We declare good sleep every night this month. We declare peace on our jobs this month. And Lord, even if hell is around us, peace can be in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because the hellhounds may be on our track, but you've already given us the victory. It is already done. Thank you in advance because you are working it out. You are working it out right now. Somebody say right now. Come on, somebody shout right now, Lord. You are making a way right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right now. We celebrate you for that. It's in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Those that know it is so, said amen. Find three people, give them a Holy Ghost hug, say no worries. Come on, tell somebody no worries. Come on, if you want to join this church, if you want to recommit your life to the Lord, come meet us right here at this altar. God is calling you this day. Don't go back the way you came. God is, God is saying, this is your moment. This is your day. Come on, push your way up. That's right, push your way through. Somebody, that's right. Come on, stand with us right now. God has said, stand. Take a, take a stand right now. God is calling you. You want back what the devil stole right now. Come right now. God is calling you right now. Worship him. Wave those hands in the air right now. Come on, right? Wherever God is, God bless you, brother. Somebody else. Somebody else join this brother. Walk down the aisles. God is calling you right now. It begins today. Tell somebody it began today. It starts right now. It starts right now. Come on, you got to have the courage to take a stand. God said, whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Wave those hands in the air. It doesn't matter. God's calling you. Look at God, right? Lift those hands and worship him. No more crying. God is no more. No more complaining. Anyone else want to join this brother? Anyone else? Clap those hands. So this is what I'm gonna do. I will trust. Wave those hands. I will trust. I will put my trust in you. Oh, I love that. 
Come on and worship him. God bless you. I'm worship daily. So I'm a Worship you because you're Jehovah Jireh. I bow before the King of Kings. Oh, come on, give God a praise for the Word of God.